Welcome to the 6 Minute Abs podcast. My name is Abby, aka 6 Minute Abs, and I will be your host along this fitness and wellness journey. Join me as I share the ups and downs of my personal wellness ride and shed light on some exciting, adventurous, and at times outrageous health topics. The show does not intend to offer any medical advice. I only aim to provide entertainment and to inform. You should always consult a registered doctor before beginning any treatment or on any topic that concerns your physical and mental health and well-being. Furthermore, you will not achieve a full set of abs in six minutes. Believe me, I've tried. Okay. Hey everybody, it's me, 6 Minute Abs, and it's great to be back this week. This week I've got a really, really special guest with me. His name is Devin Dipanar, and even though he sounds incredibly South African, he actually lives in the UK right now. So Devin has his own online gym, would I call it that? Online coaching company, yes. Online coaching company, and he operates this from the UK. So yeah, Dev, say hi to everybody. Hello everybody, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, excited to uh, share some news with you guys, so go ahead. Okay, so to start things off, could you tell me a little bit more about your um, your company? How do I pronounce it? My 24-7 PT? Yeah, 100%. My 24-7 PT. Okay. Yeah, so it's one of the names that I, I should have uh, rethought, you know, when I when I worked on that name. I thought, yeah, listen, I want to be a 24-7 PT, you know, not just a personal trainer for one hour. I want to be a 24-7 mm. PT. Little did I expect... Um, the fact that people actually literally contact me 24 seven. Oh my um, so yeah. So after a few years, I started regretting the name a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, so just basically my 24 seven PT is an online company coaching. I, I, I launched about two years ago. Um, yeah, it basically I've, I've been a personal trainer for almost 14 years, worked oh. as a personal trainer and, uh, uh, you know, for a while, for about eight years, I've been working as a personal trainer slash online coach. And I've had online clients all around the world, but the problem is, as a lot of other trainers will find, that it's very hard to the balance the, the two together. Um, as you know, personal training, unfortunately, you're selling your time for money, so you a lot of times you're working a lot of hours on the floor. And I felt I was coming home from a long day at work, uh, you know, working eight to 10, 12 clients, sometimes back to back, and then having to still work on diet plans, training plans. I never had the right structures in place with online coaching, so. As soon as it built up, it almost sort of fell down immediately because I just couldn't, you know, give them the quality they deserved, quality of work because, you know, there's always one of those little sort of things you're doing at the end of the day instead of actually committing a lot of time. So I moved to the UK. Um, I don't know if I need to expand this much, but I know you're going to ask me a couple of questions. But um, just to elaborate the company, I moved to the UK basically. And once I got to the UK, I decided, you know, I've got so many South African, really good South African clients that I need to keep looking after now that I'm not personal training. I'm here in the UK. So what better way to do it than actually to officially go into online coaching? And that's basically how I just like decided to, you know, put everything I have into online coaching and I launched the company itself. So oh, that wow. was two years okay. ago. Gee whiz. Okay, so you don't do one-on-one training anymore. It's only online now. No, so that was for about a year and a half. That was correct. Yes, I left personal training. So I personal trained in Mayfair, Central London, in the very, very sort of like, you know, the, the Santon of London, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> okay. Or, you know, uh, what's that place next to uh, Clifton Bay, you know, Clifton Beach. Oh. That's sort of, it's that sort of level of money. So I moved over here. That was my ambition was to take my personal training to the next level. Because um, in South Africa, I worked for about eight years as a, a PT and a virgin active. 
there's well, only so yeah. much you can sort of there's only so much you can sort of um, you know excel in a virgin active. So I moved over here determined to sort of be somewhat of a success as a personal trainer, and I was very fortunate to get a job in probably one of the top personal training facilities in the whole of the UK. Um, excelled there, very fortunate again to excel there with a lot of great clientele. Um, I was. Uh, one of the number one earning personal trainers in a company of four different facilities. So I enjoyed that, but I was working again. I found myself slogging away for my time for money. And it was okay initially because my wife was still in the South Africa, you know, packing up our stuff because I, I moved very abruptly. And um, so she was still in South Africa sort of finishing her, her work and everything. And I just wanted to get over here and make as much money as possible and, you know, climb the ladder as quick as possible. So it was okay for them. But when she finally moved over, it just was too much. I was working like 45 or almost about 30 odd sessions a week with the clients, the 31 on one. So it's a lot of work. And uh, I eventually just said, no, enough's enough. And that's when I went into online coaching. But funny enough, a year later, I missed it. So now I am PTing again, but I choose my hours. So I'm doing freelancing now and I have an exclusive client base that I look after. So I probably train maybe 10, 12, maybe 12 hours a week only as a PT. But uh, it's clientele that I sort of really want to look after, um, who've looked after me over the years. And uh, it, I, it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. It's almost me, for me just to get out of the house, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I totally get you. I work from home. So now that yeah, the gyms yeah, so are closed yeah, here in South yeah. Africa, I'm like. <laughs> I know. It's your way, it is your way of getting out. Totally. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I found myself drinking five cups of coffee a day. And I eventually I was spending more money than I was making because I was sitting at random coffee shops around London by myself with my laptop doing online coaching. And, you know, and the thing is, when you're a people's person, you want to interact with people. And when, yeah. you, when I stopped personal training, I didn't think that was going like, to be the case. And I found myself just drastically uh, missing interaction with people. So as my online coaching company was successful, but I found myself less happy than I was when I was working as a PT. So I found, I'm trying to find the balance between the two again, but obviously online coaching is my, my baby. And then personal training is my way of getting out the house and obviously getting another source of income. Mm, okay. So now an interesting thing that I found with your, your company is that you've got a team of online coaches. It's not just you solo. So yes. could you tell me a little bit more about this with you being the head coach of everyone, but yes. with regards to your trainers, do they all have um, like a certain speciality? Like does someone like specialize in boxing if someone wants to come and be trained in boxing or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So from, from, I do have a team. So what I, the team was more for me to handle the amount of workload. Because again, like I emphasized, um, for years I slaved away and I sort of worked as hard as I could to make as much money as possible. But, you know, what I found is, you know, you anybody will do any sort of person trying, person trying to climb the ladder or be successful will find sometimes you sacrifice certain things to get there. And what I found, I have a, a, a seven-year-old daughter also from a previous marriage. Okay. And what I found, there was I was climbing this ladder of as a personal trainer and becoming this person, this, the, the elite personal trainer I wanted to be, but I sacrificed my time with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fast forward a few years, I, you know, it's, in hindsight's a beautiful thing. I realized that, that I was chasing money and not focused on the things most important at home. So I promised myself I'd never do that again. So what I did is, you know, I launched this online coaching company because the main reason is to be home with my family, um, yeah. to be home with my wife, to be home with my, you know, my children when I can be and spend as much quality time as I can, especially because we've got a new, you know, 10 month old son. So I promised myself I'd never like be away from home. So like I say, in long term, the lockdown's actually suited me quite well. But anyways, I stayed with them and um, 
the promise to myself was I'd never ever almost fall into that greed again of trying to make too much money and sacrificing working 80 hours a week away from home. So what I promised myself is that I'd work a certain amount of time that was sufficient for me and my family to pay the bills, have a good life. Um, not, not too ambitious when it comes from financial, but more from you know, being there for my children, my, my wife. And then when I hit a certain number of sessions or a certain number of clients, the idea was then to filter them out into other trainers. Okay. Does that make sense? So yeah. I, I, brought a, I brought one on initially, a female. She was a specialist in strength and conditioning slash CrossFit, Olympic lifting. Um, when it comes to online coaching, though, from that side of point of view, that doesn't really matter because not really many, uh, that's a very small niche. So like Olympic lifter, lifter is never going to just hire me to design them a, a program uh, for Olympic mm -hmm. lifting. You'll get maybe one out of every hundred clients. So it's not really a thing I'll focus on. I just got someone as a female because I thought at the end of the day, some females prefer to be coached by females, yeah. which I have no problem with. I totally understand. So males have the same with males. So I thought I brought and bring on to see And the idea is to feed her uh, clients when I get to a point where I'm working loads. So again, it's okay. all temperamental. It's not a, um, it's not a, a system where I go, now I'm going to feed clients. This online coach is my company. It's to pay my bills. And then if I get if it takes off every, because the thing with online coaching, it fluctuates. Anybody will tell you the same as personal. You have great months you have, and you have mm. rubbish months. And the, um, yeah, obviously your goal is to keep that client retention, but you'll have bad months. So the idea is to always try and maintain a quality amount of client retention. And when it gets, has a really good few months, I filter them out to my trainers. They all got their own successful personal training companies already. They're all full-time personal trainers working in top, top facilities. I would just filter out for them. And then the idea is to sort of mentor them and help coach them along the way, how to be an online coach, the, the methods I take, how to use the platform, the software that I've got. Um, so it's like a, a sort of quid pro quo. If that means. I help them okay. with clientele and I mentor them from that side of things. In return, they look after my clients or they'll join the my 24 seven BT. But the clients, when they join me, I emphasize that they, they know, they'll know straight away that whether I'm their coach or X, Y, Z is their coach. Okay. And then it's their decision with it. If they're not happy with that, that's hundred percent. Then they can come back to me. They just either go on a waiting list until I'm free again, or um, I'll fit them in. But uh, it's not like it, it's not like no one knows. Yeah. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Yes. But yeah. the, the goal was, as you mentioned, the goal is to eventually add a, a, a real big bunch of trainers with different qualities. But from an online coaching point of view, you don't really need all that because it's such a small niche. You need to just make sure you've got, you've got a trainer that knows how to program, uh, knows how to empathize with people and, uh, and their problems and um, yeah. more the nutrition side of things. Nutrition is one of the keys. So those are the three things I looked at. And I mean, I trust the people I brought in. So from that point of view, I'd probably bring on a couple more trainers as a, from a mentorship program and help them build the client base. But it's not something I look for. I don't go looking for a particular trainer in a particular um, field. Are you tired of looking like a frump when heading off to the gym? Are you stopping traffic with your outfit on your morning jog for all the wrong reasons? If you, like me, are tired of recycling your old promo t-shirts as gym wear, you need to take a look at Athleisure HQ range. These guys stock everything your gym bunny heart could want or desire. From fantastic leggings, which literally feel like a second skin, and trust me, they really, really do, to amazing gym wear for him, you can find it all here. For all you South Africans out there, isn't it great to know that these products are locally manufactured in Cape Town? But if you're an overseas listener, don't stress, they can organize international shipping just for you. 
All the designs at Athleisure HQ are nature-inspired, leaving you feeling absolutely zen in your gear. I just picked up the Blossom Cropsy set, and my gosh, is it stunning. None of the garments have exposed elastic, which would leave your skin feeling irritated. In the same right, you won't have to worry about any irritating labels. All the usual label info is incorporated in the fabric. Furthermore, you can wash, wear, and live in your garments without ever having to worry about them. You don't have to worry about them fading, and you don't have to worry about them becoming washed out and dull. Go on, spoil yourself with these amazing products and get 10% off while doing so. Yep, you heard right. I managed to rustle up a code for all of my listeners to help you get the gear that's perfect for you. When you check out, use my code ABBY-A9F5KQ6G. That's ABBY-A9F5KQ6G. Once that's in, you're basically all set. So now go on, get, go! Go spoil yourself and look amazing in the process. So with that, you did speak about this a little bit, but what type of people do you generally train? So do you train anybody looking to reach their fitness goals or weight loss or something? Or do you train a more niche kind of client with regards to like WBFF or IFBB athletes? Anything yeah, like so that? in my first few years when I had no structure, I actually specialized more in athletes on stage. Um, I had six or seven actual competing athletes and I was, very fortunate I was successful with them. I had, I think, five out of six first-place winners. But any quality coach will tell you it is, it's like having an extra child. When you take an athlete on and you really, really commit to them to, to you know, help them to get that goal place, they are 24-7. Uh, and I'm not joking. It's 24-7. And, uh, you know, five or six athletes are better with work whilst working a full-time personal training job and having family myself. So, what I actually did is when I launched my online coaching company, company I actually now 90% of the time, I focus on general pop, so general population. Yeah. Um, so the normal, the, the, you know, the guys are the dad's bods, the moms. Um, I, I specialize in pre and postnatal. So that's oh, one okay. of the, my specialities. So a lot of my market is probably 60% of my clientele is females, um, whether it's prenatal or postnatal. Um, so I, I, try, I try not to have a particular um, niche, if you want to call it that. But one thing I don't do is I actually don't take many athletes on anymore. Um, right. And I'm very open about that for various reasons. One, because I literally can't, I, I don't think it's fair me taking their money and not being able to commit the time they need. So I'll take the odd one here and there. If I, you know, I really have a huge amount of belief and they really need my help. But I usually refer them to other quality trainers in South Africa. Um, I have a three or four that I always refer clients to um, who I know can commit the time and, and give them, the, you know, what they need. And secondly, the problem is, you know, I competed also a few, I've done um, about six or seven competitions. And the, the, the funny thing is when you grow older and you, you sort of evolve as a trainer, the fun, that's the best part about being trainers. that what you did two years ago will make you cringe what you know now. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that's literally how it is. You know, I actually, I'm almost embarrassed to think about the things I used to tell my clients and make my clients do 10 years ago compared to now. I mean, so one of the things I don't, I don't really believe in the restrictive 
dieting methods needed to become an elite athlete. Um, they needed, so let me get just first, okay, they, they're 100% needed, but I don't believe in it. And my thing is like, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I try and sell myself more as a lifestyle coach. Um, I want to help you achieve your body. You can, but without ever sacrificing your health and fitting around your lifestyle. And unfortunately, become that elite, that 1%, mm. all those go out the window. You literally have to give up anything, I guess. And, and um, nothing wrong with that. And it's needed. Let me tell you, I've tried prepping for competitions using two different types. And the restrictive method got me a million times better physique. But the things that happen afterwards is just so much... There's so much work that goes into fixing a person's body afterwards or trying to make sure the body doesn't go into um, any or damage too much after restrictive dieting for a show that I felt it was, um, it's something I can't keep preaching. I, I can't keep uh, pushing to people if I'm not willing to do it myself. So um, I actually now, like I said, so going on that 90% probably general population with 10% sportsmen, athletes. So I've got professional cricketers, rugby players, uh, which that's what I absolutely love. That's my like. That's if I could have a niche, strength and conditioning for athletes, sportsmen are, is my niche, but okay. it, it's not where the money, it's unfortunately not where the money is. Yes. Money's in pregnancy. <laughs> money, yes. Money's in the general pop. Money's in the dad's bods, the guys who want to get in shape for summer and the moms who want to lose those five kilos post baby. Okay. So you offer more like a maintainable lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So I try, like I say, I hate the word lifestyle coach, but I try and sell myself as something okay. like that. So you know, you say so you always see me on my Instagram and my social media. I never hide the fact that I'm drinking beer and eating pizza. Yeah. And uh, some days I literally am the, I do not want to train. Um, so I, I try and empathize with my clients. You know, I go through exactly, I've, I'm a dad and you know, I have stress from work and just like everybody else. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, with regards to the pregnancy, the pregnant ladies and the pre and postnatal training, can ladies train while they're pregnant? 100%. Really? It's probably the one of the. It's probably the biggest, I don't want to say myth, but yeah. thing that I usually have to sort of explain. Does that old make sense? Old wives tale. Yeah. Yeah, old wives tale. Yeah, I know. Um, there, I could go on here forever regarding the, the, the positives of training during your pregnancy. But one of the most important things is you, at the end of the day, you want, to, you, know, you want to look after your body. You want to, your body is the ultimate machine. And you're going to take your ultimate machine through probably the, the hardest thing possible. So why wouldn't you want to, keep your machine as oiled and as running well as possible. Um, going down to literally, let's go to the very end and that the childbirth. If you have been training and you've strengthened your muscles accordingly, your pelvic floor muscles, your core muscles, um, you're fitter, you're healthy, your body fat's lower, so you don't have any form of luck. Because a lot of the, obviously with crazy stuff, women have a tendency to pick up excessive amount of weight. Yeah. Okay. And this can cause, you know, uh, diabetes and everything and all, all sorts from there. So, if you can keep yourself in best shape and you can keep your core muscles and your pelvic floor muscles strengthened, not only will that help with actual childbirth itself, so natural childbirth will help during labor, but the recovery post-natal is a million times quicker. You recover oh, wow. from whatever you go through a lot quicker because you have a, you're a lot stronger. You're a lot stronger physically, mentally, cardiovascularly, respiratory. Mm. Um, so I, I, I'm 100% behind women and, and I'm, it's not like i'm making up this is research it's 100 yeah, yeah. for women training uh what i do advise is make sure that you've got a a qualify if you're going to use a trainer make sure they qualify qualified because 50 percent of trainers aren't qualified and yeah and yeah in the, in the uk it's illegal to train someone prenatal if you're not a specialist okay um which i found out it didn't seem to be a problem um 
because there's a lot of changes through the trimesters that people need to be aware of and yeah. you need to, to understand it. And I learned a lot from actually from obviously having two children. I've learned a lot from my wives, what they went through. And I empathize a lot with that now. So I know, you know, maybe myself 10 years ago, I wasn't ready to be a prenatal specialist because I was very military. So, oh, you know, wow, I would have okay. just said, suck it up, suck it up, sissy, you know, get moving. But, you know, you fast forward, two children saw what my wives went through. I'm like, okay, no, wait, uh, I, don't, don't, don't stoke, uh, don't, what's it called? Don't poke the bear. Yeah. So, um, so I understand. And I also understand from a recovery point of view, what they yeah. go through, through recovery. Because my, my wife now had, was fortunate enough to give natural, but my previous wife and my daughter went through a C-section. So I know the recovery from the two difference. And it was um, wow. absolutely completely different, but in its own tough way. And um, I love the fact that I've been through that. So now I can empathize. You know, it's hard as an 18-year-old to empathize with something like that because you've never ever experienced or seen it. And, mm. um, so yeah, so for me, training is a, 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 without a doubt 100% important. Uh, through the trimesters, your, changing, your training will change. Okay. But I mean, you'll be surprised. You can do 80% of the stuff you're, not, you're doing before you walk into the gym. You just have to be smart and lessen the load. Um, take more rest period. Wow. Don't do anything that's potentially dangerous. Yeah, I had clients until 39 weeks. Some of them what? still squatting, lunging. Yeah, I even had um, oh I've had altercations with people before because some of my clients were doing some overhead work, and I had an entire giant spinning room in Virgin Active, all looking at me funny. Saying, like I could see them standing at me, and they came out and they're like, "What are you doing with her? Why is she lifting that bar above her head?" And it was a little 10 kg <laughs> bar, and I said to her, "Well, you know, we're training functionally. We're moving like we should be." And they're like, oh, but she's pregnant. She shouldn't be lifting anything above her heart level. I'm like, why? And they say, no, because she could faint. And I say to her, so when you become pregnant, do you, are you never going to lift anything above your head? Are you never going to pack some clothes away? Are you never going to take yeah. something off a shelf? Are you never going to need to lift your arms above your head? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and when I said that to him, I was like, I explained to him, you know, it's just about being smart. Pre before she was pregnant, she was lifting 30 kilos above her head. Now she's lifting 10. It's just okay. about being you know, changing code. And, and she felt comfortable. And as long as you understand what they're going through and they want to push through. And then from, I've maybe trained about, as a one-on-one -on -one PT, I've probably trained about 50 to 55 female clients through their pregnancies and afterwards. And yeah. I was very fortunate that majority of them, or I say majority, about 90% of them had, were able to have a natural birth. And it's a huge thing for, for a woman, obviously, to want to potentially give natural birth. And in South Africa, we've noticed over the last decade, it moved towards, they want C-sections. The actual hospitals want to push for C-sections because it's easy to just book a day in, in the diary. So we try and obviously, my job is to try and help as much as possible to help a person have a, a the most perfect sort of, um, uh, well, you know, pregnancy and yeah. obviously childbirth and recovery. Okay. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. So um, I see your program also offers nutrition. So you did speak about nutrition earlier, but... Um, when I took a look at your program, I saw that it offered like a nutrition guide with recipes and all of that. Um, so what would your top tip be for somebody who is like me, who struggles <laughs> to stick to clean eating? Okay. So what, what, what's your tip to stick to clean eating? Well, just to be healthy, really. You know, my thing is this, okay. 90% of people always want to jump into the deep end. And what I mean by that is like, they want to, so they set themselves a goal. Like, okay, I'm going to lose 10 kgs now before summer. Yeah. All right? I'm going to lose 10 kgs. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go start the gym. I'm going to start the gym, even though I haven't gymmed in two years. I'm going to start the gym. I'm going to go every day of the week. 
I'm going to run two kilometers. I'm going to cut out all my favorite foods in the world. I'm going to cut out all my sugars, all my sweets, all my alcohol. So basically become miserable. Okay. And um, I'm going to jump on thermogenic, so fat burners. I'm going to do anything. I'm going to do everything I can to get there as quick as possible. And what I find with that is you, you'll probably achieve that goal, but there's no way you'll sustain it. Okay? okay. And you'll be miserable doing it. So you'll now associate, but you'll have a bad relationship with that 10 kg prep, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. that, that pre-summer body, because you remember how miserable you were. You remember how unsociable you were. You remember how sore you were all the damn time. Um, and that demotivates you to stay in shape because that's what you associate staying in shape with. You know mm. what I mean? It's a, it's a psychological as much as a physiological um, barrier. So what are my top tip to people is always this, okay? Uh, okay, this is just this number. So it's a smart goal. This is one thing the personal trainers lose, uh, learn straight away, smart. So it's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, you know, okay. time. That, that, that's what you, you want to have a goal in that sort of time frame, okay? Now, without going too in depth, what I say, from, what I mean by that is you want to set your foundation right, first of all, mm. okay? The, the solid, more the wider your foundation, the solid, more solid your foundation, the higher you can put your ceiling, the higher you okay. can go. That means the further you can go without hitting plateaus, okay? If you jump straight into deep end with all these things, you will lose the initial loss of weight, obviously quickly, because it's a massive shock to your body, yeah. but you will eventually plateau. And what happens when you've hit that ceiling? You've used every trick in the book. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? The only other option then is to cut your calories even more. And now you're going to become even more miserable because now you have to eat lettuce all day, every day as a rabbit, for example. And, and you're eating you know, six meals a dove, haking cucumber out of a lunch tin because you can't, while well, your friends eat nice food in a restaurant. Mm. And this is where my point is. So you, you're using what I call tricks um, or tricks up your sleeve or uh, you know, tools. Okay, using too soon. So the, my number one tip is Set yourself goals. And when I design a client's goal, like diet or, or macros based around whatever their goals are, I implement phases. You know, and they, they'll grow for phases. And what I'll do is I'll implement a tool or a trick to push them through each phase. So I'll milk that phase as long as I can. And as soon as I saw, see my client's potential weight loss or fat loss is plateauing, I'll then pop another little trick up the sleeve in there. So for example, first goal, for me, listen, I, myself, I've let myself go in this lockdown. So I'm, I'm with you 100% with this, okay? My, fir- okay? my first goal was to, all I wanted to say is, okay, from Monday to Friday now, I'm cutting the amount of caffeine I drink down. That is my personal thing because I've used coffee. And I'm going to not eat any form of, but the thing is cutting caffeine down straight away, I have to give up chocolate because there's caffeine in chocolate. So straight away, that was now a massive step for me because I eat a lot of chocolate and I love cookies, okay? I'm a cookie monster. So... I cut that out. That's a massive step. Now, all of a sudden, I've just cut out potentially 1,000, 1,200 calories over a week out of my diet. I then said, okay, I'm going to drink more water. I'm now, and, and I'm going to just start training three times a week. That was my first goal. Okay, I did that. Boom. Straight away, massive changes. Felt good. Energy levels better. Um, sleeping better. And I'm starting to feel a little bit better, a little more confident about myself. So then I said, okay, now I'm going to implement the next phase. I'm now going to implement another. I'm going to implement two days of cardio. So I'm going to go walking, uh, jogging. And I'm going to increase my step count by 1,000 steps. Okay? Nothing else changes. I'm still not tracking my macros 100%. Not even dieting yet. I'm just cut out junk food. Okay. And my sugar obviously dropped massively because I'm a chocolate dude. So I cut that out. 
Then the next phase, and that worked well, but then it slows down. Then I implement the next phase, and the next phase is, okay, now I'm going to start tracking my macros. Okay, so now I'm going to try and hit maintenance, but track my calories. So I did that, you know, trained a little bit harder, increased my steps by 1,000, and one bar. And then I still haven't once yet implemented a deficit yet. You know, the deficit is the first thing everybody jumps straight to. You don't need to. Yeah. Just, you need to just change habits in your life, things that you do, and that, that will get you sometimes as far as up to 12 weeks of, of achieving something, of a goal. Of a thing, wow. of, uh, uh, and that's just changing patterns and behaviors before you even have to implement the deficit. My thing is always, I want to try as long as possible not to implement a deficit onto a client because I never want my clients to be miserable. You know? So I'll try, and I'm always like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a my concept of training is I, will, I train to eat. Yeah. Okay? So I'll say to my clients, do you want to eat that food or do you not want to eat the food? And they're like, I want to eat that food or I want to have that glass of wine. I'm like, okay, cool. Then you work for it. If you're not willing to work for it, that's fine. But then I'm taking out of your calories. Does that make sense? Treat your calories as a currency. You're not going to go to the bank and spend as much money as or buy something that you can't afford. And the same with the calories. Yeah. If you can't afford to eat that, you, you can't go eat it. But if you put the work in, You've saved up, you put some money, you put some extra calories in the bank, you can potentially go and eat and you can enjoy your life a lot better. So, but again, I only try and implement it at the last minute because I don't think you need to. And I think a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers, a lot of clients make the mistake that they jump in too quick, too soon. And then you, 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 you basically just have a, a really bad, um, what's the word? You, you remember that always for being so yeah, rubbish. Yeah. And, and that will affect you for everyone wanting to die again because that's what you associate dieting with that time. So you, I try and make it as achievable. Like I said, if someone says to me, Devin, okay, I need to lose six kilos in two weeks. It's my wedding. Obviously, I can do that. And it's going to be miserable. What? You can do that? Yeah, any, anybody can do that. I mean, MMA fighters drop up to six, seven kilos overnight. What? You know? Yeah, they can. It's not body fat. It's a mixture of fat, water, um, infl uh, inflammation. But you can. So... Uh, this is why I try and emphasize my clients not to focus on their weight. The only time I ever focus okay. on weight is during the first week or so when I'm trying to really work out their maintenance calories. They, once I've figured out their maintenance calories, which is the amount of food they can eat without picking up weight, yeah. I then can start deciding whether I want to push them, slowly push them into a deficit or, or a surplus, depending on what their goals are. But the key is if that's the only time I ever ask for weight. And then I'll say, okay, once every three or four weeks when you measure in. Because I don't want you to focus on weight. Because like I say, weight's such a rubbish way of telling whether or not you're achieving the physique you want. Yes, if, you serve, if, you're, over, if you're really obese, that would look good because you'll lose eight kilos now. But mm. that doesn't mean your journey is better than someone who was not really massively overweight, but was training just as hard and everything, and they only lost three kilos. That's, yeah. it's the, comp, the body composition changes also. So body composition, their health changes, mental side of things changes, their strength changes. So... It, there's a lot more things than just weight loss. So I try not to use weight loss unless I really have to. So from an athlete, for example, an MMA fighter or a boxer, they need to hit a certain weight. Then you would obviously need to go on weight. But uh, from a, a general pop, I'm like, take your measurements, circumference measurements, you know, you know, yeah. take measure. That's the best way for me. And take photos. You don't always have to share. I tell my clients, you can, put, you can load your photos on the app, on the My247PT app, so we can compare them every four weeks. But if you feel you need to keep them personal, keep them personal. It's something for you to look at. But 99% of the time, if you follow the diet for four weeks, you might not see a change in the scale potentially. But let me just tell you, when you look, you don't see your back often. Yes. Yeah. Okay? So when you get someone to take a picture of your back, okay? And if you're anything like me, I hold all my back fat around my love handles at the back, okay? Mm -hmm. 
Let me just say, that is the most amazing thing after four weeks you see your back because you notice huge changes. And there's nothing more motivational than physically seeing the changes, taking a, a tape measure around your waist and your waist has come down. But, just, but then the scale can still be the same, which is very possible because the scale fluctuates for so many different reasons. So yeah. weight's not the greatest thing to use. Okay. So you spoke about something called a plateau. Is that basically just when your body kind of reaches a point where it's like, okay, I've, I've hit my premium. I'm not going to burn anymore. I'm at stasis. Yeah. So basically, yes and no. Yes, and 100% that, that it, it basically is adapting. So it's not saying no. Just like I mentioned before, your body is just an unbelievable machine, the, the greatest machine of all time. And it will always, always, always try and find either a way to do something easier. Okay. So that's when, you know, that's when potentially your, your, your form will go bad because your body will try and cheat to make some exercise particularly easier to try mm. and like, for example, a, a shoulder press, you know, mm. you're lifting up to focus on your shoulder, you'll do a strict lift. But when your body gets tired, what's the first thing that happens? You start leaning back. You also lean yeah. back or you start trying to use your legs and you jump. That's your body's way of trying to cheat to make something more efficient. And that same goes with eating. Same goes with calories. Your body will adapt to whatever you give it and will try to adapt. And so it slows down your metabolism. So now because if you're in a calorie deficit for so long, you're not feeding your body a certain amount of calories that you used to, what it does, it will then slow your metabolic rate down. Okay? okay. To adjust to this low calorie intake. So it will slow it down. So you're now not burning as many calories as you were before, but you're also mm. not eating. It's just your body's way of, we don't use the word starvation mode anymore, but it's just its body way of adapting to whatever you put into it. Okay. Then, okay? Because it wants to become, as, it still wants to run as efficiently as possible. Yeah. So as a, from a plateau point of view, that's exactly what happens. Your body, never, you're, like you never really damage your metabolism. All you do is you, you, you lower your metabolism down so low by continuing for, for, for being in a deficit for so long that it adapts to being in a deficit. So the moment you go try to back to your, eating your normal maintenance calories which yeah. was six months ago was your, your normal food that you can eat without picking up weight now all of a sudden that maintenance is way higher than you think in your pickup weight that's why so many people post show wbff rvb pros they put on that huge amount of weight post show if they don't wow. do a um you know, a reverse diet they put all their weight back on because they obviously they they haven't damaged their metabolism we emphasize this. you haven't screwed your metabolism up all you've done is you just You've taken it down to a point where it's so low. Your hormone left, uh, your hormone called leptin is so low. So, you know, that, that's your hormone that tells you whether you're full or not. So you basically now have to, your maintenance is now surplus. And okay. you know, there's, ways, there's ways that we, you're meant to stop that from happening. You're meant to do a reverse diet post-show where you feed the calories slowly back in. But 90% of coaches don't do that because post-show they stop getting paid. So they don't give a, a damn about their clients if it makes sense. And that's a big problem I have. You can swear if you want to. It's okay. Okay, good. Uh, I hold, I hold it back there. <laughs> I thought that, but thank you for holding it back. But you don't have to. <laughs> okay. But okay, so Dev, this is like a huge question for me. This is another like, is it a old wives' tale kind of situation or not? And that is the eighty twenty rule. So where your, you know, like your results come from eighty percent in the kitchen and twenty percent in the gym. How true is that? Okay, so I actually did a post on Instagram the other day saying you literally can't train a bad diet and I gave example of why. I saw that. Um, I saw that. The big McDonald's and, and stuff. Then, yeah, so, yeah, so the 80 20 is just a number made up because it sounds really cool. Okay. okay. But in the context of things, yes, it's right. You literally can never out-train a bad diet unless you're training every day for uh, you know, an Ironman where you're burning yeah. a thousand calories a day. 
but even then, a thousand calories a day is only one Mac meal, yeah. one big Mac meal. So you, even then you probably can't. I mean, at my most intense I ever trained was an hour and a half of strength training plus an hour cardio session split up in the day. And I mean, at most I'd get a thousand calories out of those two put together. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so no, it's, it's virtually impossible. Like I said, 1820 number is not really a specific number, but yeah, I would say realistically, if I'm going to talk to a, a client that's never walked through, that's never walked to the gym or never died before. And I'd say to them, if they, and they want weight loss or fat loss as their goal, mm. I'd say to them, you know, I'd say to them probably a 70, 30. And the reason I say 70, 30 is because I'll tell them smart, you know, like going on a smart goal. I wouldn't tell them to say, now cut everything in their life seven days mm. a week. I'd say to them, if you can focus Monday to Thursday, so four out of the seven days, which let's say is what 60 odd percent. I'm not good at math, but let's just say it's close to 70. Okay. And we, if you can eat clean out of that and then still train maybe three times a week, you're going to make huge goals. Okay. So okay. that's like, so I'd probably go 60 to 70. And then obviously depending on how far you want to go, because again, your body will adapt and you have to push yourself further. But um, I'll probably say 70, 30 realistically, uh, because training is massive. I mean, training, yeah. if you train could, but the thing is, like I said, 90% of people don't train the right way also. Um, and that's a big pet peeve. And I, I say a pet peeve of mine, but only because I was one of those people. So okay. uh, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to, I was one of those trainers that very, I was very popular before my military stance and the way I screamed at my clients and pushed them and got them results. But to me, a 23-year-old personal trainer compared to, oh, so let's say, let's say yeah, a 23 personal trainer compared to now I'm 37, I, I, judged, uh, the, I judged the session on, the, on how much my clients sweated and swore, and swore at me. And, you know, and over the years, I realized that's like probably only about 15% of the actual session what's needed. Um, there was no things like I, I never, I wasn't putting any sort of structure progressively overloading them week by week. Uh, I wasn't uh, using percentages and things like that. And I think that's vital. That's why I always emphasize people like think classes like Zumba and spinning and whatever you have in the studio class and version actors, they're all fantastic because they get you moving, they burn calories. Mm-hmm. but that you, they will never achieve the physique you want because they, they, they can't be tracked and you, what not, what, you know, what's, what's tracked can be measured. And if you don't know what you did, if you're not pushing yourself stronger, heavier, faster, lifting heavier or um, taking shorter rest periods or not progressing yourself on that particular workout, you never get, your body will eventually adapt and know what you're doing to that workout. And we'll go, oh, I know this workout. Cool, we don't need to recruit any more muscle fibers. We know we've got this. You need to continue to get your body guessing. Same as from the diet point of view, the same as the training point of view. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I've got a long way to go, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But like I said, but the, the thing is, it's just, there's so much information. I mean, every trainer is learning still, and they, 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 they are li- they're 100% liars that they say they're not. I, tra- I learn from different trainers every day who have worked in the industry a lot less than me, but I learn from them all the time. And the most important thing is to learn and so, and what I can say is that uh, sometimes less is more. So yeah. the less information, the better. You start small, start with the basics. I know it sounds so cliche, but no one likes hearing that because everybody's looking for a quick fix. Everybody wants, I want to lose my weight now. Tell me something special that I've never heard before. And there's nothing really, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's the basics and it's the way you do the basics that will get you where you need to be and keep it, keep you where you need to yeah. be. So when you speak about a calorie uh, deficit, do you yes. mean like burning more than you eat? Yes. Okay. Yeah, 100%. So basically, it's how much you, uh, you, you, 
not, not burning more. So calorie deficit basically is eating less mm -hmm. than you burn. So putting less in your body than you expend. Okay. So, um, and again, that will vary depending on how strict your goals are, how, or how, how much overweight, how, how much overweight you are, how beast you are, if you want to make sense. Mm -hmm. Those percentages will change. So when we working out a client's, well, I say we, me, but I'm hoping majority of trainers work out my client's weight loss journey. I'll say to them, they, they give me a, their goal. And I say to them, well, if you want this X, Y amount of weight loss, let's say eight kilos, I'm going to say, it's going to take you this amount of time. And, and, and then I'll break it down into weeks and say, this is how much we can potentially lose a week. This is the percentage if we take this amount of deficits. And obviously okay. the more aggressive the deficits, the quicker you can lose the weight. But yeah. the more aggressive the deficits, the more unhappier you're going to be, let's be honest. And the more chance you need potentially then, you know, uh, taking yourself into a bit of a hormonal problems, um, you know, just physiological problems, to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you want to start less is more. So start small and then see how your, your clients or your body responds to that 100 calorie or 200 calorie deficit. And then maybe say, okay, well, that didn't feel too bad. Now I'm going to make it 300 calorie deficit. Yeah. And, then, and, and, and a calorie deficit doesn't only have to be, I emphasize, it doesn't only have to be from diet. It doesn't only have to be mean you have to eat 300 less. If you say I want to do a 300 calorie deficit a day, but I'm not willing to eat less than I'm eating really, like I don't want to eat less than 1,300 or 1,400 calories, then you can increase that deficit by now you're buying it with some calories burnt. So you can go, okay, I'm going to burn 100 more calories now okay. in my workouts. You understand? Yeah, yeah. So you can commit maybe an extra 20 minutes or whatever, 10 minutes on a treadmill after okay. each session. That will give you an extra 100 calories. And then now you, that potentially will, can get you your extra 100 calories if you don't want to take much food. It's harder to track and measure that, but that is a way. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's the way I prefer personally, myself. Oh, I'd rather, right. rather work harder and eat more. Nice, nice. Yeah, because you said you train to eat. I train to eat 100%. Yeah, I enjoy my food. Yeah. When I was competing, you know, I, I, I can put that mindset on and eat out of lunch tins. But uh, mm -hmm. per, 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 personally, you know, I would never want to say to my wife, I can't go to this restaurant with her. Okay, so when did you, your personal fitness journey start? I know you said that you started being a personal trainer um, 14 years ago. You said? 14 years ago, yes, yeah. yes. But so what drove you to pursue fitness and when did your, like, your love for fitness start? Um, okay, so I played professional rugby. That's what brought me over to the UK. Um, I moved over to the UK the day before my 21st birthday. Uh, I signed a contract to play in Scotland. I was playing in Edinburgh. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, I've had three knee operations or three reconstructions on my left leg and two on my right. Yeah, yeah. And so I was brought to the UK on a sort of working visa to play rugby professionally. And then during my first year, my first knee operation happened. And I just battled to recover from them. That my knee just kept, unfortunately, dislocating and tearing my ligaments. And I've had, like I said, just constant reconstruction. So by the age of 23, uh, I had to call it a day. So I was only in Scotland for two years. And I had to retire from rugby altogether uh, just because my wow. body wasn't healing. Yeah. Uh, but I always, I didn't actually train. Funny enough, I never trained much because the position I played, I was a scrum off slash wing. You know, I was there more for my speed. And I'm, I'm, yeah. unfortunately, I was naturally strong. And rugby wasn't as professional then as it is now. Like, I wasn't told that you have to be 85 kilos or 90 kilos and you have to bench X, Y amount. It wasn't actually, it, it only sort of started being implemented at that stage. Um, so I never was ever really made to gym, so I didn't. You know, I trained with my mates now and again when we wanted to go look at, you know, girls and stuff, you know, when we were youngsters. But 
as, as most guys, but, or just talk rubbish, but I never really trained. So I, but at that age, and when I moved to Scotland and um, I was rehabbing myself, I was going for physio so much. I was getting so irritated with these physios that I was going to see because I felt like every day there was telling me something different. So I just decided, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to teach myself. And um, I then, you know, I started training, started picking up a little bit of decent muscle, realizing I actually loved this at about 23. And one day I was, um, I was actually out of a job because I was released from contract, no money. I was on about, I, was, I had like a, a month or so left and I was like, I, I refused to come home to South Africa as a broke 23, 20 slash 24 year old. So I was sitting in a library um, where I lived in the time I'd moved to Sheffield from there. Really. I was living in Sheffield in North England. And I, um, one of those like pop-ups um, came on while I was on the, I was in the library. I was on the internet because yeah. I didn't even have internet at the house at the time. We just moved to the area. So I was still looking for a job and stuff looking like, what am I going to now do with the rest of my life? And um, this big pop-up just came on the screen saying, do you want to earn 40,000 pounds a week? Do you have a passion for, do you love gymming? Do you love people in the gym, whatever? So I clicked on it and somehow I used my last bit of cash, uh, last bit of money, I, my savings I had. And uh, I signed up to about eight different courses, which in hindsight was absolutely ridiculous um, uh, because <laughs> I forgot half the stuff. And um, I signed up eight, eight different courses, spent every last cent I had. And I studied, my first initial study, when, when I really realized I had a passion for it was... Um, before you become a personal trainer, you have to become a fitness instructor. Okay. Basically, it's your, it's your license to teach. It's what those guys you see walking around the gym, helping, offering help. You know, not the personal trainers, but the guys working for the gym. Yeah, yeah. And you have to do that. You need to do a certain amount of hours. And anyways, I got the books for that. And I, I said to the guy, listen, if I study hard, can I do this exam in six weeks? And you meant to take six months up to a year. So I did it. I studied my arse off. Six weeks, got, did the test, got 100% of the test, like literally everything stuck. And I wasn't the most academic at school. So for me, this to stick in my head, like the way it did, I knew I had a passion for this. I uh, did my thing, was fortunate to bullshit my way into a, a job as a fitness instructor um, before I actually like was even finished studying. And from there, actually was per working as a personal trainer before I even had my qualification. Um, and, I, I, and I just loved it, absolutely loved it. So from there, I just furthered my education on it, try to become, you know, a bit more of an elite, uh, a master trainer. So I yeah. specialize in pre and postnatal, strength and conditioning. Um, and then obviously the third thing I added was nutrition. So I just I studied sports okay. nutrition uh, because I thought that's what's needed. Majority, majority of times sports nutrition or nutrition itself is what's needed to be a yeah. good coach. And that is it. And then I worked there for a year. And then 2010, the World Cup was a year. Yeah. So two years. So I worked two years and then I went to the World Cup in South Africa as a, on okay. a holiday. Yeah. And I loved, being, I loved being back home so much that I just never went back to England. I left all my stuff in storage, got probably sold on storage walls on Discovery Channel. Um, and I lived in South Africa another seven years working as a Virgin Active PT. And that's how it sort of took off. And then, you know, I worked as a conditioning coach for rugby teams. I was very fortunate to work with the Sharks rugby team, Sharks club rugby team, mm. toured with them. Um, yeah, I've just been very fortunate. Everything's always taken off. I've always been like in the right place at the right time. I've just had unbelievable clients. And I think that helps. Let me just tell you that. If, you, if you're doing well, it's, you're going to enjoy your job a lot more. Yeah. Um, so I'm fortunate that I've always had really good clients or re I've got really good client retention or I've always had opportunities open up that I've taken. Um, 
so being also one like for example coming overseas here now when i moved back over here that was an opportunity that came away and i took it and um i've just been fortunate that's why i have such a passion for this and i'm sure you can hear when i speak yes, i probably definitely. ramble on a little too much yeah yeah <laughs> no, man. so did you play club here in south africa when you were playing i did when yes did yes play i played for, for well i played in for durban i played for in the premiership at the time it was durban holocons oh wow I okay. so i played played through the under 16s and 20s and then I played first team. I was very fortunate to play in an era when in my, my debut game, I'll tell my friends, Tom will tell you I sold them this all the time, but my debut I made with, at that time, 11 actual shark players and seven springbok players. That's, wow. the, that's the depth of rugby back then before the sport sort of took off professionally yeah. um, and then you know got divided. But I was very fortunate to play with like a lot of my heroes and unfortunately I didn't stay in South Africa to play because I moved over to Scotland when I was 20. Yes, but, yes. And then I came back and I coached. I, I was fortunate in 2000 and, um, 2016 and 2017. So my last year, I was head coach of Harlequins. So I ended up becoming head coach. Oh, that's so cool. Of the team yeah, you so used to moved, play for. Yeah, so I moved on from being a conditioning coach for Amanda and Toti, which is in the premiership. And then I went, got, I was offered an opportunity to go to Harlequins, coach there. And I was, yeah, I ended up being head coach for uh, one season, and like I say, I moved to England the day after the season ended. I had to wait for my last match before I could leave. Oh, wow. So I was on, okay. I, I, I'm sad. That's probably the saddest thing about leaving was that I had to give up that job because it was like, mm-hmm. what's that? my dream job, but I was, you know, training my, my boy club. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Job. That's it. Though. So all over the place, really, but I was, I've always had a passion for it from my rugby days. So you did talk about this a little bit, and I'm quite interested to hear your take on this, but would you say that in order to get fit, a person needs to be committed both physically and mentally? So what role would you say the mental game actually plays in a person's fitness journey? More important than the physical. Wow. 100% more important. 100% more important because, as I mentioned, we as humans, one of our natures is that we always look for a quick fix. Yes. And we always look for... And we're always trying to do everything a lot quicker now with modern technology. You know, you know we, we now will talk to people while we're typing on the phone. We, yeah. you know, we, we're always trying to do everything so quick, so fast paced. So we want things coming to us so quick all the time. Yes. So what I find with training is that you sold this beautiful thing, fitness, Virgin Active. Come sign up to Virgin Active. I'm going to, sorry, I'm using them because it's the only gym really in South Africa. Or yeah. Planet Fitness. Sign up to Virgin Active. Get the body you want for summer. Boom. Oh, this sounds yes. like a good deal. I'm going to sign up. Discovery's going to pay half my gym membership. Boom, boom, boom. Everything's good. And then you do two weeks and you realize, okay, waking up five in the morning is not as fun as what someone sold it to me. Yeah, and yeah. you got that initial one week weight loss and then you've hit that plateau, which is inevitable. Um, yeah. And then you go, okay, well, now I'm not getting what I pay my money for. And I'm waking up five in the morning. I'd rather sleep that hour or I'd rather go eat that pizza, whatever the case is. And that's where your mental game comes in. So for me, a mental side of pro, a mental side of the game is a million times more important than physical. Because if you can fix your head and you get your mindset right and mm. you know, set yourself goals and know what you want to achieve, the training is easy because once you start knowing what you're doing in training, like once you start physically actually understanding the exercise prescription and what it's doing for your body, you actually start enjoying it. Okay. I find it becomes a, uh, I find that it becomes a bit of, um, you know, like a form of, uh, relief, like a like a, what's it called? Meditation. It, it's my hour that I cannot have to focus on my laptop. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. my hour I can you know, do things that some people can't, and I'm fortunate for that. I, you know, I'm able that I can do the things, and I appreciate that. I think, but that came started with my mindset. I was like, Devin, what do you want to do? You know, I've I've gone through moments where I wanted to be a bodybuilder, moments where I want to be 
maybe try play rugby again. You know, moments where I want to be a CrossFitter. And these are small goals, never achievable. So not the greatest goals, but they're small goals that are set in stuff that always motivate me. So you look for external motivations. Yeah. Uh, that for me was mine. Um, so you have, you have external or internal motivations. External being, you know, weight loss, summer body, mm-hmm. go on holiday. But internal, there's other reasons, you know. You want to feel better about yourself. You want to have a, yeah. better, beha- uh, 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 a better relationship with food yes, um, or yeah. whatever the case is. So for me, the mindset is very important. And I think that's why you'll actually see now a lot of coaches, you know. I feel actually it's a bit diluted now. I feel like a lot of coaches are jumping on this, what, this um, mental health bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I say that like loosely, but what I mean by that is like, I just feel like we sometimes give people, we, we allow them to, to, what's the word, to get out of something a little bit too easy now because we worried about someone's mental health. Okay. And it's not like mental health has just appeared. We've always had it. Obviously, back in our father's days, you don't talk about that. You're yeah, going to yeah. assist if you're talking about that. But yeah, a huge stigma. Obviously, yes. Obviously, now we know it's a big thing and it's, you know, someone killer for men in the world for suicides. But I believe because of this now and because it's such uh, social media influences, as I like, you know, I'm not my favorite people in the world, too many social media influences. Yeah. I feel like they jump in the bandwagon just to get likes or follows okay. or whatever the case is. And, and people milk that now. So now, like, uh, but it's like me saying to you, okay, Abby, we're going to get you in shape. And you go, Devin, you know, I haven't really had a good mindset. Thing. And then you go, oh, no, it's okay. Then you rather just sit at home and, and, and do some breathing exercises. That's never going to get you what you want. You need, it needs to be a balance. And um, from a mental side of thing, you have to be strong here first before you can actually yes. be stronger physically. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's why from a coach point of view, I think we have to, we, we study psychological behavior. You should be, if you've done a degree or you wow, study psychological okay. behavior um, or you just cover the aspects of it, but it's very important. And, okay. and that also only comes with experience. You can study as much you want, but with experience, working on the floor, working with clients, you gain that experience and you go through what every client goes through and you learn and you become a million better times trainer from that. Wow, okay. So experience meets, so I would say experience over qualification when it comes to a trainer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I shouldn't say because I've got my qualifications I spend a lot of money on, but, but for <laughs> me, experience always uh, okay. Like if, if you were in shape and there's a female that had a baby, for example, and yeah. you've just had a baby, you want to get in shape and there's a woman that's done it and she's done it the right way, not like, you know, ridiculous ways that and she lies about it, but she's done it the right way and you've seen it. Yeah. That's to me is the perfect example then to who to hire. <laughs> Because potentially yeah. she's gone through it. She knows. She knows better than I do. Okay. Okay. Well, that's honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just know everything in theory. That's it. Well, not right. everything, but I know some. Yeah. Nice. But I can't, yeah, I can't tell you how sore it is to do an abs, ab crunch after having a C-section. I literally can't. Yeah. No. I wouldn't be able to tell you that either. Ouch. Just sounds painful. <laughs> but okay. So like. I heard you talking about that you you went back to South Africa after being in Scotland for a while and now you're back in England. Why did you come back and how has it affected your business being there? Okay, so um, coming back, so I was married before um, yep. for, I can't tell you, maybe six years, seven years and I ended up getting divorced, uh, unfortunately. So like I say, my or majority of my fault, you know, my work ethic was just ruthless. Um, my ambition was way too high. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, hardly ever at home, working eight hours a week as a PT, plus then rugby coaching three different rugby teams on the weekend yeah. and evenings, um, and then still spending time with the boys, if that makes sense. So being a rugby coach, that's what you do. 
So I neglected things and, you know, things fall apart, fell apart as you expect. Uh, but I always had a good relationship with my ex and we have a daughter together, a beautiful little daughter called Lily. And she's like my oh, life. So, um, so we didn't live too far apart after we got divorced or split, split up and then divorced. We lived about 20 kilometers apart. So, um, which was fine for a couple of years, but obviously my ex-wife's British. I met her here overseas. I okay. met her here in the UK. She's British and, you know, rightfully so, she eventually said, you know, all my family's back in England. Um, what do I think about taking Lily back to, to England? You know, bringing her up there because obviously, for obvious reasons, you know, safety, whatever the case is, she felt it was better. And she misses her family. And I'd, I had brought her to South Africa, to my family for seven years. Yeah. I felt it was only fair. I can't be that person to say no because the safety of my daughter, but also from my ex-wife point of view, I was like, oh, you know, you gave seven years to me. I did it's only fair that I, you know, do the return. So I was um, engaged to my wife now. And I said to her, I was like, well, listen, are you, how do you feel about this? And then she's like, well, we can't ever be away from Lily, um, which I 100% agreed. And so within a space of three months, I sold, within the three months, I sold my apartment on the beach, mm. um, sold two, my two cars and sold my personal training company, a very successful personal training company, sold it all in three months and I left. I actually ended up arriving in the UK a week before my ex-wife did with, the, with my, my child. Wow. And I had to, um, <laughs> So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, you know, all in. And uh, I moved over here. But like I said, with the ambition to become the best personal trainer and earn the most of money. So I, I was like, the place to do that is in central London, you know, Kensington slash Mayfair. So that's what I did. I walked in there and uh, applied for three jobs in one day. And the funny thing is my, my wife is on the side. She's Safkin. She, I, had a, I have a British passport now through the years of living here. She didn't. So we needed the visa. So I had to get a certain, I couldn't just go freelance personal trainer. I had to get a salary paid personal training job, which is okay. very rare. Yeah, yeah. Especially in South Africa. So it was very rare. And it had to meet a certain salary requirement. So I went for three job interviews, was offered all three jobs. I was able to negotiate the three against each other to eventually hit the target I needed. And I nice. took the job where I ended up working. Yeah, I took the job where I ended up working, which I was very happy I did. And I had to work here for probably close to a year before my wife was allowed to join me. Uh, so wow. I lived here for a year by, by myself. Uh, she came on holidays, I think two or three holidays. I went back on holiday once or So we were never apart for longer than three months. But Joe, it was one of those things. I mean, um, and I just put my head down and grafted and, you know, did everything I could in that year, as I mentioned before. And then I went full-time online coaching straight after the Shiravja. And we moved out of London and got a nice house. And, but Joe, so um, from that point of view, that's where, you know, uh, why I came back to the UK to be with my daughter. Yeah. My daughter lives now... So I see her every two weeks. So it's not the greatest, but it's, a, it's what I'm working with now, especially in the lockdowns. Yes. Uh, the way the lockdown, is that what you asked me? The lockdown affected me? No, no. I'm asking how moving to the oh, UK to affected UK. you. I know. Yeah, so I had to start from scratch again. Literally scratch. I had zero clients. I had maybe 10 online clients that I wow. kept because they were my clients that I left in South Africa. So I was like, yeah. well, listen, let me put online. And I was still doing the old Google Excel word spread, uh, spreadsheets as a diet and which yes. is so like out of, you know, so I was still doing that and then moved out and I had to stop from scratch. I had to get my first clients again. I had to walk the floor. I had to sell myself just like I did when I was 24. Um, which let me just tell you, it was very humbling because I think I walked in there with a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Okay. And the best thing I ever did was go to the gym I went to because the trainers there to get a job there, you had to be, you got interviewed three times. It was very in depth. And okay. like they interview 50 people and only hire one every six months or something yeah. like that. That's how I get there. It's like the best of the best. So I was wow. interviewed, got through these rugged sort of interviews, but 
when I got there thinking I'm the dog's bollocks, you know, I'm this virgin active trainer that had, you know, 50 clients and made this much, X, Y amount of money. And I walked yeah. in there and the knowledge that every trainer had there blew my mind, like literally blew my mind. And, and I always emphasize this, like, you know, as virgin active, you, you, you're your own person. You have to run your own business. But when I went there, they blew my mind and I learned probably more in a year working there from learning from trainers and people in a year then that I did in seven years as a virgin active personal trainer. Wow. And it was very humbling. It was very humbling. Yeah. I had to stop a scratch. But like I said, within six months, I was fortunate to be the number one trainer out of 86 trainers. Um, That's amazing. So, but again, that, that comes down to the staff can work ethic more than anything else. But, um, okay. Yeah. But Josh, so it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Being a small fish in a big pond was humbling, but I think needed. I think it was needed because I think my personal training, you start neglecting yourself and your clients a little bit when you've been doing it for so long, you get a bit, um, what's the word? Um, stale. Yeah. And stagnant. I needed a refresh. You're stagnant. And I was, I was needing a refreshing. And I learned so much more. And my coaching now has become a million times better because of this. Wow. <laughs> so your work life plateaued? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. My work life <laughs> okay. plateaued. Like, that, I, I, like, I didn't know what, I couldn't make any more money where I was at Virgin Active. So the best thing I could do was leave. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So you've mentioned Lily and you've mentioned that you, you have a son, a 10 month old yes, son. Yes. Right? Like, Ten month Logan, he's sitting next to him, you know. Logan, awesome. Okay, so how you you told me a bit about your earlier life with regards to you know your previous wife being a work widow, essentially. But yes. how has being a dad like? How does that affect your training? Does your training affect your family life? Um, has it benefited it, or has it been more of a toll on it now? Do you mean training like in my actual physical training or my work? No, your work. And your uh, physical training. Okay. Um, all right. So obviously from my previous marriage, 100%, you know, but you learn from these, or the, your job is to learn from the mistakes. That's what exper experience is learning from mistakes. Simple as that, you know? Yeah. And, and then, and, and if you want to then, you know, if you want to be smarter, you then implement these, you know, what you've learned from it. So I learned what I've done from that previous, you know, time, if you want to call it that. And I told you before, I made myself a number in my head that I wanted to earn without being greedy, without yeah. sacrificing my time with my family. And I've still stick to that number. Um, the online coaching allowed me to achieve that a lot easier than it was as a personal trainer. But now I find myself sometimes because I'm probably a little too passionate about my job. I end up doing a lot more than I actually getting paid for. If that makes sense from online coaching. Whatever, and I think they can drive my wife a little nuts. Um, so I'm trying to learn to delegate. That's one of the new things I'm trying to learn in 2020. Okay. I'm delegating a lot more, but um being now with my 10, I'm going to give you from 10 months, 10 month old son. I've spent more time probably with him, which is so sad, but I've spent more time with him. Forget about the lockdown, but I've probably spent more time with him than I did probably in the first year and a half with my daughter. Oh, wow. um, okay. And, and like, that's the sad way to sort of compare it. Uh, so it's a million times better now than it was then, but I've learned from my mistakes and I realized all of those mistakes because of greed, 100% greed. It's because I was trying to, keep up with my next door neighbor's car or I was trying to yeah. tell it, you know, to buy things you don't really need. And so you'll see, I'm a big, you know, I like to be proud of what I've worked for, mm -hmm. but it, my, my, what I've worked for is completely different then. Then I wanted the new V8 Ford Mustang. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to listen to that. Now it's like, you know, if I've got a lovely house for my family, there's food in the fridge. Um, we, yeah. we can do different things in the weekends. I can see my family and friends. That's like, you know, that changes, but that comes with age and, you know, I don't want to use the word wisdom, but it comes with experience and yeah. I'm a lot happier now. I've probably, uh, 
in the context of things, I probably made, I made a lot more money in South Africa as a virgin active if you compare the rand to what I was spending. But really? my life was like, yeah, like if you, you know, if you're earning to what you're paying compared to what I'm earning to oh, what I'm paying okay. here. I mean, as you expect, imagine living in London or li- I live in Surrey. Actually. Med, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I live in Weybridge, uh, which is a lovely part in Surrey, just outside of central London. Okay. I mean, it's your, your da, if you find out what our rents are and what we pay for things. Yeah. So in that context of things and how much free money, I, I think I was, I was, I earned a lot more in South Africa, but I was a million times unhappy and I'd probably even be willing to drop myself, even drop my salary even more now to make up more time with my family. But like I said, wow, the lockdown's okay. treated me quite well. The lockdown, so I've had four months now with my 10 month old baby. So yeah. I've, watched, I've seen him take his first step, uh, stand up for the first time, oh, you do everything for the first, which is, I think a lot of people don't get the fortunate sort of, to yeah, do that the because they're, they're, trying to, yeah, they're trying to provide for their families, and, which I completely understand because I've been there with my daughter. So I vowed I'll never make the same mistakes and touch wood, I'm on their way there. I'm still nice. doing that. It's been good. Yeah. Wow, okay, that's amazing. So finally, let's wrap things up because shame, I've taken enough of your time now. <laughs> but to wrap things okay. up really quickly, I'm going to ask you like a speed round of um, what people can supplement. So obviously, we're all used to being in the gym and having access to the different machines, the weights and everything. So I'm going to quickly ask you what people can supplement for certain gym items at home. Okay. Okay. Ready. <laughs> okay. What can we use as dumbbells? Right. So... Majority of things can be used for everything, for all of the above. Okay, so okay. for my clients, the ones that are designed home workouts, they couldn't afford to or couldn't go get dumbbells. I got them to buy five liter water um, okay. bottles from the big grocery stores, the big five liters with the handles. Yeah, yeah. That's it there. That's a five kilo straight away, five kilo in each hand. Or if you're a bit weaker, you can go fill up two two liter Coke bottles full of water or beach sand, and that gives you two kgs almost. Oh, wow, okay. And that does the job. Okay, then barbells. So again, barbells are the same. I mean, there's nothing you can do with a barbell, really, that you can't do with a dumbbell. So in, the, in effect, you can use almost the same thing, if that makes sense, the water bottle itself. Okay. But as a barbell for a lot of my clients to do back squats or mm-hmm. overhead presses, like bilateral stuff, I um, got them to do, got them a broom, got a broomstick or something, like a yeah. solid pipe or broomstick. And on each side, they've um, just hooked like two packets, like nice solid. Not, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say pick and pay packets, but you can fill the packets up with sensors. Maybe you can invest in some actual, like even two rucksacks, and you hook yeah. it on the east side of the broom. But if you if you fill one bag up with ten kilos each side, that's a twenty kg squat straight away. So that's a really rustic way of thinking it. I mean, but even a backpack, putting fill up a backpack full of sand, put it on your back. It's sitting on your back almost the way a, a bar would for a squat. Yeah. So, yeah, there's nothing really. That you can't do without those those five liter water jugs or backpack with a broomstick. Okay, so I can see this now. The kettlebell, you could use the five liter water. Hundred percent, exactly. Okay. So you use a kettlebell. I mean, exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. So that and then I mean a kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then cable pulley machines, like you know. The- yeah. So yes. So for the cable pulley, you know, the difference between the cable pulley and obviously a dumbbell and barbell is the constant tension. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the constant tension. Yeah. And that's what makes a cable a cable. So the best thing you can do, the, the number one thing I've told all my clients to buy, really, the first thing if they can, is not dumbbells or barbells or kettlebells, it's to buy resistance bands. Okay. Okay. Resistance band because there's a constant tension. You can hook them anywhere. They're light, they're mobile. You can put them in a handbag if you want. 
You can hook them over a door and do lat pull downs. You can hook them on a pole and do rows. You can put them underneath you and do chest presses. You can hook them behind you and do check the cable crossovers. You can do anything, bicycle curls, triceps, everything you can do with a barbell or a cable or a dumbbell, you can do with the band. And yeah. bands probably cost you about, they're the cheapest thing. You buy them Mr. Price with nothing. Yeah, okay. yeah. The only difference is it changes the strength of it because obviously with a band, the longer, the more you pull it, the, the changes the strength of it. The longer you pull it, the harder it gets. Where with a dumbbell or a barbell, it's the opposite way around. But okay. it will still give you the results you're looking for. But the problem with the band is it can, you can only pull it so much before it snaps. Technically, there's a, a what's it called? A, a cutoff point. So you'll need to progress. But you wouldn't use resistance as a way of progressing. I'd use probably tempo or time and attention. So I'll tell my clients to do the movement slower. And that itself, in effect, will be a way of progressing them. Okay. Um, and then finally, a treadmill. That's what I missed the most. When we were here in South Africa and we had the ultimate lockdown where you just couldn't go outside. You couldn't go outside, yeah. Oh, 100%. man. There's only so many times you can climb the stairs in your house, you know? 100%. So the question I ask you is, what are you using the treadmill for? That usually will have an answer from there. Fitness. What are you using it for? <laughs> so you use it for fitness. Yes. So fitness, are you saying you want to become healthier and burn calories simultaneously? Yes, and I like running. Okay. So unfortunately, I can, I can get you, you can do the running man, which is just run on the bloody spot. Really? That's not really what, yeah, well, not. You can run on the spot, but that's not, if you're doing cardio, if you, do, if you need a treadmill just purely for cardiovascular, respiratory uh, things, and then obviously to sweat and burn calories, you know, and you can't get a treadmill. There's no, I mean, you can do these funny little YouTube things you see now where someone puts oil on the floor and you just stand by the counter and you, you run, do moonwalk. But realistically, just do any form of movement in your house, plyometrics. So you can do uh, jumping jacks, burpees, uh, mountain climbers, <coughs> jumping squats, jumping lunges, anything that gets you moving. Then you can jog on the spot, get your knees up high, high knees, butt kicks, butt kicks, things like that, uh, star jumps, all these sort of things. You do a little bit of Tabata or hit. So 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Do, but you burn probably more calories. I'll tell you, you burn more calories than you do on the treadmill. And more, you'll get yourself fitter quicker because you're having sparks of your heart. So your heart rate is jumping up much higher than you potentially would on a treadmill, potentially. Yeah. And at the end of the day, your heart's a muscle. So if you do repetitions, it's going to get stronger. Okay. All right. So all my clients that couldn't get outside, I designed them a 10 to 15 to 20 minute, depending on what they had, hit session in their lounge. And that's why during the lockdown, the first half of the lockdown, I was doing Facebook or Instagram live workouts and people yeah. were joining me for workouts. And I was doing in the lounge, body weight only, just to show them this is what you can do. Because even though I okay. had some equipment. Yeah. And yeah. We, we killed it. I mean, yeah, it was really, really successful. So you can, you know, if you want the treadmill because you want the treadmill, then there's only anything, there's nothing that's going to help you. But if you use it for, for health reasons, yeah, treadmill is a treadmill. It's the same as like, if you want a dumbbell for a dumbbell, you know, I can't help you there. But if you want, Something to, if you want to be able to build your arms because you want to, and you want to do a dumbbell bicycle, there's other options than a dumbbell. Yeah. Okay. That oh, makes awesome. sense. Yeah, no, it does. Well, thank you so much, Dev. This has been so much fun and very eye-opening for me, actually. <laughs> so if people want to find you, where can they get a hold of you? So they can follow me on my Instagram page. It's a new page. I previously had on it. It was unfortunately hacked and stolen, but my new one is at Devin, the online coach. Okay. It says it in the name, Devin, the online coach. Um, and then I have a couple other, because I have a supplement company called Broly Labs that we launched just before the thing. Uh, that's Broly Labs. So I also, so my Broly Labs, even though it's a supplement company, you know, if people fire questions across there, I answer health-related questions on there also regarding nutrition, supplementation. And then hopefully, whole thumbs, by the end of this year, I'll have my own gym open in central London. 
Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, so, and that the name of the gym is called Onyx Strength and Performance. Onyx. So, Onyx Strength and Performance. Yes, it's all on my Instagram bio. Um, so that'll be a, that'll be a personal training facility facility to enable, support, and elevate other personal trainers. So, from a mentorship, giving them the facility and helping them grow their own businesses. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Can so I just? Those add are the three in... Instagrams. Okay. No worries. Yeah, so I like I, I saw um, Broly supplements on, I think it was your website or something. And for a second, I read it as Broly. I was like, he's gone very English, hey? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bro- Broly Broly's a, a character from Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so only, all right. Only if, you, if you're into anime, that's the character. That's who, uh, uh, that brand in Rogo, um, that's where the name is. Broly's a character from Dragon Ball Z. Okay, very cool. So that, that's, that's new. Like I said, we launched it just before the lockdown. So the lockdown hasn't helped us. We're relaunching come post-lockdown. Okay. And I'm in, the, I'm in the works trying to get it to South Africa. Oh, cool. So nice. Hopefully it'll be in South Africa soon, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. Thank you. Well, guys, if you want to get um, in touch with me during the week, you can find me on Instagram, which is six underscore minute underscore abs. You can hit me up on Twitter, which is six minute abs. You can send me a gmail which is six minute abs at gmail.com or you can check out my blog which is six minutes six minute abs.com <laughs> anyways keep it real and i'll see you next week Cheers.